We've obtained a resignation letter from a Sac City Unified vice principal who was targeted by racist graffiti. Dr. Elise Verscher says she is resigning from West Campus High School over what she calls consistent racial and sexual harassment she has experienced at work. We spoke with the vice principal back in November when parents and community members gathered in a rally to support her. This is the first time in my career that students have been emboldened enough to call me a black Her last day is June 17th. The district tells us they are working with law enforcement and launched an investigation into complaints of racism and say that investigation is almost complete. We in here, we in here, that's it. Oh, if you thought we was trouble before, <laughs> wait till they get wait till we get a hold of this story. Happy, happy Monday. My name is Miss Laureen, and we are Black versus the Board of Education. Today we are talking about how we are not your N-word, your Negro, your nigga, whatever it is you try to put on us. We are not that for you. Um before we get started and before we have our special guests join us today, I want to kick it to my co-host so they can introduce themselves. So, uh, Jada, go ahead and take it away. Hey, guys. My name is Jada. I am a homeschooled uh, incoming senior in, in the Sacramento area, and I'm so glad to be back. That's all. Perfect. Uh, Samuel, you're next. Oh, okay. I'm Samuel. I live in Georgia. I'm going to the sixth grade. Next year. I am 15 years old and I'm going into my junior year of high school. Perfect. So we had a chance. Uh oh. So we had a chance to actually come and see you this weekend. You competed uh, for the LA Youth Poet Laureate. You did an amazing job. Although you did not take home the title, we were so uh, impressed by the way that you communicated, that you commanded the stage. And so I wanted to kick off with that and just say kudos to you because we loved everything about it. And if you're not supporting your young people, you're doing something wrong. Uh, Thank you guys but, so much. Of course, of course. But, you know, we are talking about something very, very serious today. Um, we have uh, Dr. Verscher who's waiting in the backstage area for us. Uh, for many of you, you are very, very familiar with this story, um, but I wanted you to have an opportunity to talk to her yourselves because I think that one, we need to surround her with support and love and all that good stuff, but she needs to know that there are some students out here that will go to bat for her and not attack her. And so without further ado, I wanna introduce Dr. Elise Verscher to the stage. Um, if, sis, if you want to uh, tell us about you, a little bit about you, your career, all that good stuff, we would love for you to do that. Um, and then we can kick off the conversation. Well, I'm excited to be here, uh, especially speaking with, you know, Black students. Nothing gives me more joy than uh, fellowshipping with you all. So thank you. Um, I'm Dr. Elise Verscher. Um, I've been, I was a classroom teacher for seven years in Watts, California, and then in Hayward, California. Um, I became an assistant principal at um, a charter school in Richmond, California. Um, and it was a dope experience. And then I relocated to Sacramento and um, accepted the, the vice principal position at West Campus High School. Um, I have a, a, I taught English again. Um, I have two masters and a doctorate in K through 12 leadership. So just in applying for um, 
you know, vice principal and administration roles, I'm part of a 0.5% who have all the credentials and exceed those credentials with uh, double masters and a doctorate. So when I step into the room, I know the ed code like the back of my hand and I follow it like the back of my hand because that is my job. Now, speaking of your job, for the folks in the back, Samuel, what is the vice principal's job? Okay, I said it in the pre-meeting. The principal, <laughs> he's the puppet. The, the vice principal be out there enforcing, the enforcer. He's the, she, they're the one making the rules. They're out there doing their thing. Hey, come here. I'm going to take you to the office. Yeah, that's what the vice principal does. That's what the vice principal does. So they're they're responsible for discipline. And so when I when I was reading your story, and apparently there was an issue that stemmed from a, a student being disciplined because of dress code. At least that's what I've read. Is that accurate, or was there is it was it more to it, or was it specifically about the dress code? I just want to chime in about the vice principal role. Because discipline is a big part of my role, but also building relationships. I'm over mental health services, students who have special education. I'm creating their plans and enforcing their plans mm. on adults, making sure that their rights are not violated. Um, I'm at every event. I was a club sponsor. So I, I was an advisor for BSU before my principal told me that it was a conflict of interest for me to be the BSU advisor, even though I was one of the only Black people on campus. Um, I oversaw the counseling department, training staff. And so it's a lot that encompasses that role. But mm -hmm. discipline and, and, you know, my approach of disciplining students with dignity is a large part of my role. That being said, um, the fury of the N-word and the anti-Blackness that I experienced is convenient to say, oh, this was because of the dress code. Just like it was convenient for district administrators to say, oh, well, Elise, you know, after COVID, we've been seeing students have these abhorrent behaviors. Racism is not a behavior that manifests because of COVID. I've been dealing with this, and by this, I mean specifically anti-Blackness, targeted racist acts from students and parents and some of my staff, and obscene sexual harassment by people I had to supervise, including mm. students. I've been spat on, <laughs> you know, I've been threatened more times than you can count, even before COVID. And mm. so the incident that, that the district liked to um, put out as far as the dress code. Um, so you, you all go to school. So when the bell rings, you know, as administrators, we are out just making sure to, you know, the school is safe, no intruders on campus, and even just a smile and joke with students before they get to class. And as the enforcer, as you said, Sam, I make sure kids are in the, in their classroom on time before that bell ring, you better be in that class. <laughs> um, and so at the direction of my principal, he identified the student out of dress code and said, Elise, you know, she needs to be coded. I said, okay. So I approached the student. That student was by herself because I would never publicly humiliate a child. She's by herself. I said, hey, and I said her name because I knew her. She was a frequent person out of dress code. I said, hey, you know, I need you to go to the front office and change into a PE shirt. If not, I can walk with you to your locker if you have an appropriate shirt. She refused. I'm not going to my locker. And who are you talking to? You know, that back and forth. 
And so I said, I'm not going to argue with you. Please go to the office, see, and then I sent my staff's name, see her and get an appropriate shirt. Now I want to be clear, this student's shirt was bra level and student had a flannel, you know, that was wide open. And so once the student got to the office, I left as a tool to de-escalate because, again, I'm not going to be cursed at. I'm not going to be berated and disrespected. So once the student goes into the office, not even a full minute goes by and I'm radio for my staff saying that this person has decided to record them and call them the dress code Gestapo, which is a reference. We know the Gestapo was law enforcement for Hitler. And, um, you know, berated my staff. What's also important to know is the two staff members who were trying to support that student, they're one of the few other people of color that are at West Campus. And so it is, you know, it was very clear even then that the student was comfortable demoralizing them and degrading them because they were not white. And so once I came in, I told the student, you need to, you know, stop recording, delete the video. Because you have escalated this and created an obscene uh, disruption, because when her video went on social media where she posted it, now I have students leaving class, coming to the office, saying justice and calling me Black Hitler and calling my staff a Gestapo. And so it was ridiculous. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> so because they did not like being dress coded. Mm-hmm they decided to turn on the camera and then because there's there's a certain segment of people who want to be oppressed so bad so they wanted to turn on the camera to record that as if you all were doing something that was outside of bounds is that's correct is that what you're saying and yes. sam, sam why do you have your hand up what's going on oh, so okay you you you're okay i'm just saying the student you're getting told to go change okay since you're telling me to go change, I'm gonna I'm gonna compare you to a fascist that killed millions of people. Yeah, yeah. How you like that? What does that? How how does the logic work? How do you go from dress code to to fascism? My 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 mind blowing is justice. Justice for what? Put a shirt on. Like you, justice for who? Justice for. That was so what? And to add insult to injury, because I, you know, had I contacted the parent, had the parent come, the parent was mortified by the student's outfit. That was not the outfit in which the student left their home. Of course it wasn't. (laughs) So y'all can't hear Jada, but Jada's back here screaming in the No, we can hear her. We can hear her on yours. We can hear her. Yes, we can hear her. And so there so she was obviously out of out of dress code and so what happened next so um i i conference with the parent and the student you know letting them know this is the handbook that you received in august this is what you agreed to when you enrolled here as far as the dress code and it's clearly laid out and just so you know i was not part of creating the dress code my principal right. created the dress code with student government and school site council parents. And so it's, you know, again, the parent was very apologetic. The student, however, was not apologetic and was and was very disrespectful, even in the presence of their parent by saying, you know, only thing you care about 
is the dress code. You only care about power and we will stop you. And this is going to go viral and you're going to regret the day that you made me change my shirt. I am a feminist and, and, and was going down the list and I'm just listening, nodding. And I said, you know, you, you know, that's your choice. However, per the ad code, you have created disruption. You'll be sent home for the day. You cannot go to the dance. It was our homecoming dance that night. And I said, when I see you on Monday, we'll have a reintegration conference with your parent. But I was also very clear that she violated, you know, the safety of my staff and that that video that, that she posts on social media needs to be deleted effective immediately. And the parent mm -hmm. agreed. When the student went home, however, that was not the case. She kept the video on social media, tagged in a bunch of high schools in the region, including St. Francis, Hiram Johnson, C.K. McClatchy, all of their feminist clubs. And so they said they were going to, and I quote, storm West Campus. That's a direct reference to January 6th, storming the Capitol. That was a threat. And in that caption, that's when I was also called the Black Hitler toiling with my Gestapo, meaning my front staff. And so again, it, it just went completely out of control at that point. And at the dance that evening, and you know, as everything was progressing on social media, students were inside the classroom posting things, calling me the N-word in class while the teacher is at the board. And we know this because, you know, you can see on their snap, their full face in a classroom seat. You can see the time it was 10, 13, all the way through lunch, all the way until after lunch, where it was, you know, black inward this, she's, you know, inward this multiple times. And so when I told my principal, he said, well, they have freedom of speech. And he said this in the, my presence and two other staff members' presence. It's nothing we can do, Elise. They have freedom of speech. Even though they're in class during instructional time, calling me the N-word and other things. I mean, they were saying I could suck a cock, I, you know, call, you know, making a lot of references that are it's not appropriate for me to say in the presence of children. Um, and that was throughout class throughout the entire day. What makes it worse is that, again, the homecoming dance was that evening. Because of, you know, staffing issues in the district, we did not have full-time campus security. We had a substitute custodian that was our security and a substitute campus monitor for almost 900 students. At the dance, you know, the dance began at 6 I got there at 4.30 just because, you know, I like to make sure our campus is okay. The principal does not come in until 9 o'clock and the dance is over at 10. And that's, so just picture all of this, right? You know I was attacked on social media and had a negative confrontation with multiple students that day. And you mosey to, our, to a dance of 900 students an hour before the dance ends. So... Even before, so the dance is, you know, is happening and students are into the building. This is November 5th, a Friday night. They're coming into the building and, you know, I'm checking bags, you know, making sure that students are, are safe. And my school has a history of students bringing in narcotics, alcohol, et cetera, at the dance. 
And that's the, the, the secret of West Campus that people don't want you to know. But I, you know, it was a big drug bust at West Campus my first year of heavy narcotics in that campus. And because of who parents it was of the students, it got kind of swept under the rug. So mm. I say this to say, I had to take more precautions with making sure students were safe at the dance, right? So one student had a red cup. For those of you who are 21 and older, you know what's in a red cup and waiting in line with the red cup. So I said, you cannot come in here with this red cup. You know, please, you know, throw away the contents or you can't go into the dance. And she argued with me. And, and this is a friend of the girl who I dress coded. And so I, I called in the, the, the sub campus monitor who was the custodian. She smells the cup and she's like, that's that's a daiquiri. And I said, okay, I took the cup, held it on the side. And mind you, it's a struggle with me taking this cup. And I called the student's parents because I said, you know, I'm not going to allow you to drive home. Instead of the parents coming on campus, the student's two sisters came on campus and were upset with me for not allowing her to go to the dance her senior year. And she said, you know, you don't know if that's a daiquiri or not. And, you know, and, and I see that you've been wilding out all day on social media. The kids are talking about you. You got everybody here effed up and we'll be waiting for you in the parking lot. And this is in the presence of at least 100 kids in line. So I had to put the school on lockdown. And again, since I'm the only administrator on duty, I had to really put myself in harm's way by walking them off campus and locking the door. And it wasn't like this was a quick, I'm walking to the door and they're walking behind me. It was, I had to literally put myself in between students. And these, these are grown women teaming up on me. And I'm thinking about, I don't know if they have a weapon. I got kids here. But if we're going to scrap, we're going to scrap because none of my kids are going to get hurt while I'm on duty. And I put up my phone. I said, I'm calling 911 right now. You better leave. I locked the gate. They stayed for over an hour in that parking lot. Did anybody come? Did no. you ever receive any res assistance from anybody? I did not. Principal Sam. comes in. I, I called him multiple times as, you know, I was putting the school on lockdown. No urgency. Like, I'm on my way. I'm so sorry. He's like, woo. He's like, I'm glad you were there to handle it. Okay. All right. Take a breath. Take a breath. Mm -hmm. Sam, Sam's trying to jump in here. I see Melissa is blinking really fast. I, I'm getting hot under the collar. So I'm a Sam. Uh, and then I can go to Anaya because you look the most calm right now. <laughs> Samuel. Uh, so what I was saying, what I was going to say and what I was at, what, what I was going to ask is what did this have on, what effect did this have on your mental health? Not just this instance, but all of it that caused you to resign. What, what effect did it have on your mental health? You see, I'm grasping for words because yeah. I'm trying to be conscious of the fact that you guys are children, you know, you're, you're students and I'm grown and I don't want to put my trauma, you know, I don't want to put secondary trauma on you, but it took me to a place where my children were not going to have a, a mother. Mm -hmm. I yeah. felt deflated. 
you know, I felt like I sacrificed so much at that school and that no one saw my worth. And I felt like I kept trusting the system. Like I kept documenting, documenting, trying to get help, asking for intervention, asking for support. And it felt like everyone just felt like, oh, well, she's a strong black woman. She'll figure it out. She'll get through it. And it was too much. Yeah. I've had white principals that have gone through significantly less and get a visit from the superintendent. He did not come to the school. He did not give me a call, nothing to support me. Are you saying ever or I mean, like you've never heard from the superintendent? Mm -mm. Black principals had to get together. It was a dozen of us to demand a meeting with him about what has been happening to me at West Campus. And that was in 2020. And in that meeting, he's apologizing. You know, he even got teary-eyed. And then there was no follow-up, like nothing. No additional support, no campus monitors, no statement provided for the district. Not even a, you know what, Elise, you should probably get some mental health services, some counseling. We have benefits in the district. Like nothing, like nothing. It was just like, you know, we're sending you our thoughts and prayers. Are you ready for August when school starts? Mm. Jada, you had your hand up and I see you shaking your head. So do you? I was going to, because when she had brought up the fact about how her mind went to a place where she thought her kids were not going to have a mother anymore. I, I see a lot of that. I feel like people think that because you're an adult, you don't have the same feelings that teenagers, like teenagers who've been cyberbullied, have committed suicide, have gone through things like this. And some aren't even here right now. And I feel like there's not that double standard. They think that because you're an adult, especially because you're a black woman, that you can just handle it all and be okay. And I find that completely unacceptable because adults have feelings too. And I felt like she, those, this is, it's really off-putting because me personally, I don't know how somebody can find in their heart to treat somebody, whatever their age is like that. I can't even find in my heart to disrespect somebody like that. And it actually really hurts me to see you upset because I think I do have this like this kind of this kind of thing of like, you know, seeing black women. I'm like, wow, they're strong. They're so powerful. I aspire to be like them. So when I see them break down, it hurts me inside because, you know, it is this common thing where black women are supposed to be resilient all the time. And that's all I see, because who would want their, you know, their vulnerabilities to be put out on social media like that? And because people can take advantage of your weaknesses, and I can completely understand that. So when I see a black woman such as yourself break down, it actually hurts me inside because you guys are super strong. And I'm going to say it's it's okay to be sad because this is crazy. It's ridiculous. It's out of control. And it's so it's funny how people are so quick to go so hard about a dress code. But when it comes to something that has to do with the black community or a black student or a teacher being mistreated, it's kind of just like, yeah, they'll, they'll get through it. But that dress code, justice for justice for a shirt, like I'm so lost. Like that, justice for yeah. a shirt, and the vice and the principal not having your back is completely unacceptable. And his job, he needs to be revoked of that job because he's supposed to be having his staff's back. Period. 
you're going to be at the highest authority and not have your staff's back and oh, freedom of speech. If you're going to be disrespected, racist comments thrown at you because what? You're an adult? You're supposed to take it? That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Melissa? Like Jada was saying with the freedom of speech and well, we can't do anything because, you know, because freedom of speech, but that was not freedom of speech. That was hate speech right there. That was, that, uh, that shouldn't have been allowed. And I had so much to say and I, I don't even know because there's a lot and you should not have had to go through that and to have to go through it alone and then have to go and find people two years ago, have to get together black principals to go and seek help. And then you're by yourself doing something, putting an entire school on lockdown, 900 students who over the course of the day have been turned against you because one person thought that if something was unfair, life is unfair. She needs to get over it because the, it's a shirt. It's a shirt and you're putting someone's life at risk for a shirt. Now, like Jada was saying, justice for a shirt, justice for the dress code, but what about justice for this black woman who is putting her life on the line for you? Even though she had to, you had to be dress coded, she still cares about you. And that is why that's happening. That's why you're being sent to the office. That's why she's caring for you and you don't even realize it. Mm. And the crazy, go, go ahead. What I wanted to say is that freedom of speech is an excuse that racists do to justify their actions. Uh, especially when they're talk when they're talking in hate in a hate in a hateful way. They're like, well, it's freedom of speech. We're in America. First Amendment. That's not that's not the catch all. You can't just say, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna call you racial slurs and it's freedom of speech so I can get away with it. No, that's hate speech. That that's that's not freedom of speech. Freedom of speech is just is you can talk freely without being um like just fine talking not anything crazy not anything racist just regular talking it's not spewing hateful rhetoric to a select group of people aka black people and just saying well it's freedom of speech so i can say it and not get and not get any disciplinary action that's that's not how the the right works and I see how much you care for these kids and the fact that even though a, like a lot of them are still turned against you for a stupid shirt, the fact that you still put them first shows how much you care about them. The fact that those two girls, two grown women, came up on you and your first thought was protect the kids. Through After everything, it will still protect the kids. Like, and they can't see that? No, because they're selfish. Anaya? Um, yes, I think that shows a lot about your character and the fact that the school couldn't, no one at the school really realized it. It's very saddening. And I think I'm so calm, like while hearing your story, because I'm trying to process it because it's like something that you can't make up. Yeah. Like all the series of events happening consecutively in the same, like, it's just like unbelievable. But it happened. So we have to believe it and we have to be there for you. So it's just very like, shocking but then at the same time i'm not surprised about the lack of support that you received just because you're black um we've seen this multiple times before just not getting support that you should have been 
that you should have gotten. And then another thing is just like the principal saying freedom of speech. Um, my history teacher was going over freedom of speech one day and he was like, yeah, we can have freedom of speech being in America, but you can't walk in a movie theater and say, I'm, about to, I'm gonna shoot this place up. That's not freedom of speech, that's a threat. So the principal, I don't understand how they're trying to justify those racial slurs and, oh, I'm gonna storm the school, how that's freedom of speech, that's a threat. That's yeah. a threat to you, your safety, and the rest of the school. And it's no longer freedom of speech when a student puts your life at risk by bringing two outsiders to a place where there's a, a public environment of kids. That's no longer freedom of speech. And that's where the that's where disciplinary action should have been taken. Because it's no longer freedom of speech when my life is at risk. When, when it is literally two inches away from me, that is no longer freedom of speech. So Jada, yeah. can I tell you the worst part of that? The same night that those, you know, adults threatened me, I went to the director of school safety to get essentially like an order of protection. And it barred that's the student's sisters and their entire household from contacting anyone at the school or coming up to the school for 30 days. The sister, so I sent that via email and certified mail. The sister responds, and, and my principal, school safety, district administrators are all on that email with the notice. This, one of the sisters responds saying, we do not have to follow your order, talking to me. We want to meet with Principal McMeekin. He replies, I'm available on such and such date. I sent it on Monday. He said he was available that Wednesday to meet with them to discuss my conduct at the dance, which essentially violated the protective order. That shouldn't even be a conversation. Mm -hmm. My life is at risk. That shouldn't be a conversation. And it's the way he wasn't there for you when you called him, but then he decides that, oh yeah, I have time for them. Oh, yeah, but I don't have time to support you while you're putting the school on lockdown, 900 kids by yourself with a custodian. He couldn't answer that phone call or answer it. It was like, I'm glad you handled it. It was not handled, obviously. Obviously it wasn't handled if I'm calling you saying I need backup, I need you to do your job. Why am I telling you to do your job? No, you have it handled. And if it was handled, you wouldn't have responded to that email. If I handled it, you wouldn't have needed to go and respond to that email and break what that, that notice just said. Well, this, this is the thing. Um, so some of these details I'm just hearing for the very first time. I'm, I'm livid, actually. Um, I knew your, your principal was a punk. I didn't know how much of a punk he was. Um, because I know when we had the press conference at that school, he refused to come out and play. Um, I, I just find it very egregious that he would even respond when it's a protective order, when mm -hmm. he's not the named person being protected. Um, I, I have a whole bunch of problems right now <laughs> and I'm trying to uh, get my bearings, but I don't want to, um, you know, stick right here because it absolutely gets worse as if you can imagine um, but it absolutely gets worse and it gets to a point where you actually have to come off of the job. So mm -hmm. can you kind of walk us to that point where you arrived at school to find what you found? So that Monday, again, the dance was on Friday. That Monday, um, it's more social media attacks. You know, it's, actually, it's amplified at this point. Um, 
they posted pictures of my own children and they got those pictures from the school um, newsletter I did for Black History Month a year prior where I had my husband, my, my children, my husband um, is, was a guest speaker trying to educate our students on financial literacy. And they posted that picture of me, my husband and my kids with monkeys and bananas and, and the likes on, on my children's face. That was just an absolute low blow for me. Um, and again, my principal knew this, school safety knew this, because I'm, I'm sending everything, every documentation. And I want to be clear that I received about 80 screenshots with, you know, groups of students, their social media, their pictures, and what they were posting on Snapchat, on the Remind app, on Discord, and on Instagram. And this came from students at West Campus, namely BSU members. They kept coming to the office, take pictures, Dr. V. You know, they have a, a Facebook, I mean, a, a Remind group called at F the Doctor. And it was parents in that group. In the Remind app, a lot, I saw students, students, students' names, and then I saw parents, parents chiming in. She needs to be stopped. And, you know, and, and it blew my mind. Like, are you kidding me? So at the end of the day, Friday, after this exhausting day, and there are a lot of details that I'm even leaving out that just was a buildup, 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 buildup of students. Um. You know, I'm walking to my assigned parking spot, you know, where I, where it says vice principal and the likes. And right across the N word is written five times. N-I-G-G-E-R, N-I-G-G-E-R, five times, five times. And so I head back to the office. I'm furious, um, disappointed. I, you know, I honestly don't even have words. I, I was just, I was just feeling a lot of things. I tell the principal, we need to contact 911. He told me I was being dramatic. I said, no, because they can scrub for fingerprints or whatever. He was like, no, no, no. And then what slipped out of his mouth disturbed me the most. He said, coach, you know, coach Langston, which is the girls basketball coach. He called me Saturday and said that he thought he saw it there after the dance. So he was aware for a very long time is what I'm hearing. And they didn't do anything to remove it before you got there on Monday. So it was intentional. They wanted you to see it because maybe that's actually how your principal feels. Correct. Hmm. And then what, what, and I, and I just kept recounting my morning, right? Like how did, cause it's right there. It's, I mean, literally right there. And the, the only thing I can think of, of how I didn't possibly see it that morning is, is that I was just on the go, hur trying to hurry up and get kids from the back area. That's the smoking area, by the way, where we park. So I'm like, okay, maybe I was just trying to gather them and get them out. And when I spoke to, I called Coach Lynx. I called him like, hey, did you really see this on Saturday? Because he and I have a relationship. He texts me all the time about random things. I would highly doubt that he would forget to just tell me about that. He says, you know, I spoke with Principal McMeekin and he told me, you know, it's best that we don't talk about this. And that was Monday, like five something p.m. And so that made me feel like, OK, it's something bigger going on here. 
Mm, okay. We don't tolerate racism here, but I'll let I'll let them threaten her and send people after her and write things over her car and just, you know, ignore it. Maybe the rain will wash it away. Or maybe it won't. Oh well. But we don't we don't tolerate that here. Yet no disciplinary action has been taken, but we don't tolerate it. We just see it and turn a blind, but we don't tolerate it. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh based on the uh I guess this is a press release they released on May 27th, the school district. It says racist language and actions have no place at our schools. I know you've heard that tape before um, and will not be tolerated at West Campus or anywhere in our district. The district is committed to addressing racism and hope that this particular investigation would lead to accountability for anyone who participated in this racist activity at West Campus. Um, the superintendent goes on, I am frustrated and disappointed that those responsible have not been identified, which I want to put a pin in that um, because I was I was listening to your words and what you said was students were posting in class, full face in class on social media and that you have over 80 screenshots of students. So I'm trying to figure out why the goon squad can't find these kids who are responsible. Um, the children, seems... the students who were posting it, their parents are prominent in the district. Oh, well, that was going to be my be next clear. question. Who they relate? Mm -hmm. Who who are they related to? Mm -hmm. um, and I, and before I come to you, Sam, I also want to put it out there that this is not just a black and white issue. This is about anti-blackness because some of these kids that were saying some of this stuff are so-called people of color. Let's be very very crystal clear. Go ahead, Sam. And I wanted to bring that up. Like this, this, this is not just like white people, white students doing this. This is this is other minority groups saying this type of stuff, and and it just proves that all minorities aren't like, hey, we're all minorities, we're all oppressed, we're we're not all oppressed on the same level. There's different levels to this. There, we're not we're not all on the same level where we get the same treatment from white people. No. Because anti-blackness is prominent as in white and minority, other than black, even in black communities, sometimes there's anti-blackness from like from black people that are black. Like how how are you going? How are you in, in itself hate? So I wanted to bring up a story. It's 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 not relevant to the school, but a, a female basketball player in the Olympics. She had to pull out last year. And we just heard about what she said a year ago. She said to the Nigerian team, to the Nigerian coach, control your monkeys. Ha uh, notice, she's half Nigerian. Hmm. But she was in Australia, right? Mm -hmm. and, she, and she's currently on the LA Sparks, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so this behavior is being rewarded. Um, or is being brushed under the rug to where it's not being nipped in the bud right away, right away. And it's unfortunate because now with you talking, so many more people understand and know what it is that you've been going through. And I want you to kind of make it plain for us or from the pools in the comments, uh, in the comments section, which I made a, a mistake by reading some of this. So um, we did a press conference with you a couple of weeks ago. Um, the press conference uh, was covered by a lot of the local news stations and I happened to pop on CBS 13. I think they're their news coverage of it. And what I saw in the comments was, you know, 
this is fake tears. You know, she's just doing this for a lawsuit. Um, you know, here we go with the race baiting again, you know, so we still have those kind of uh, missing brain cell, you know, human beings, or they al allegedly they're human beings out there. So can you kind of detail for some of us how this has affected not just your mental health, but your physical health? Yeah. Um, in November, so November 10th, two days, you know, after the N-word was prominent at my parking spot, I tried to, I want to be clear, the district did not bring anyone to West Campus, no mental health clinicians, no counselors, nothing. And um, on Tuesday, they didn't bring anyone. And Wednesday, they didn't bring anyone. And by this time, students knew. In particular, my, you know, my BSU students and they were. And I'm sorry, before you go on, before you go mm -hmm. on, uh, on this campus, BSU was known as Bullshit Unlimited. Is that correct? That's correct. It okay. was referred to to my face in the presence of students and two counselors um, when I was the BSU advisor. And, I, and again, I was taken away my duty as BSU advisor by the principal after I kept complaining about a specific teacher that, you know, had been using some racial slurs and had some issues with students, black students in particular. He told me it was a conflict of interest and he assigned a white teacher to then become the BSU advisor. So I was not allowed to fulfill my duties as BSU advisor. Okay. Now that's Hold on real quick. BS. Yeah. <laughs> a conflict You're of right. interest. You're right. But, and, mm -hmm. and I, I wish schools would stop doing that. Um, BSU is supposed to be a safe place for black students uh, outside of the prying eyes of those who may want to have um, access to them at that point um, to then to remove someone black and replace them with a white person is egregious. It just is knowing what's going on on that campus. And this is not just a, a thing that started with you, Dr. Versher. This is something that we uh, who have gone to, uh, to school in Sacramento a long time. This is something that we've known about West Campus for a very long time. So I, I just wanted to pop in there, but um, I don't want you to get sidetracked because right. I really want you to tell us how this has affected you physically. So when I realized that the district was not sending anyone to counsel or provide a safe space for students to kind of get out how they're feeling, because, you know, my students love me, you know, my BSU students, you know, students were harmed by everything that was happening. They know their peers. They're seeing everything on social media and they have strong feelings about it because they saw what was happening to me as a reflection of how students felt about them and their safety. Mm -hmm. So again, district sent no one Wednesday. Um, I had so many students, BSU students, like waiting in my office uh, before I can even get to work, like at 740, they're, they're in my office. And, um, you know, I, I put, I have us all go to the library. I put chairs in a circle and we're going to just really just come to Jesus moment, talk to each other. And I'm just listening. And they're telling me about things they've been going through at that school forever. Things mm -hmm. that even in meetings that they didn't share. Um, things that were happening to them in the locker room that they didn't tell anyone, just a lot of harm and trauma. And, you know, I'm quiet about my, what I'm experiencing, but what I told them is that this will not be the last time 
your truth falls on deaf ears. I'm going to fight this to the bitter end. And I left the library, you know, I gave him pass about to class. I left the library and I, I fainted and ended up having multiple uh, seizures. I've never had a seizure prior to that. Um, someone in the office called 911. Um, ambulance came and I was, you know, I read my, my report and I had seizures even on the ambulance on the way to the hospital. So I was hospitalized. Um, I've had a lot of issues after having the seizure. And the doc, the doc, many uh, doctors and neurologists said that it was a stress-induced seizure because I don't have any um, pre-existing conditions that will cause this. And so I have to meet a speech-language pathologist because how the, the, the impact of, you know, the head trauma I experienced from the seizure has caused swelling in my brain and my memory has been, you know, an issue. For example, like I'll go downstairs to the kitchen and I can't recall what I'm going downstairs for. And so I have to put post-its everywhere or take notes immediately to like activate my memory that, okay, this is what I'm here for. This is what I'm doing. And it's, and that's a, a huge adjustment. And that's definitely, you know, has affected my mental health. It got to, and I couldn't drive for six months. And so taking my kids to school, that's something that I found, you know, joy in. I get to amp up my kids and check in on them before I drop them off and pick them up. I couldn't do that anymore. So a lot of the burden fell on my husband and that impacted him and his job. It, mm. it was a lot. It's still a lot. I'm still in counseling, still trying to get myself 100% healthy. And then in, in trying to get myself healthy, you then, I then see reports from the district and things I know that are complete lies. And it's mind blowing. Like, for example, when the district came out with their investigation report and it said it was inconclusive, I was shocked because I still had meetings scheduled with the investigator. I'm still supposed to be meeting with you to go over certain details. And yet you came out with this report. I saw the teacher, Catherine Sanders at Kit Carson. She had an email with her report attached. They refused to release the report to me or my legal team. How is it inconclusive? And then what really just pained me is that this happened in November they did not interview students until April, April 22, 2022. And then, and, you know. And this happened in 2021, right? Correct. Mm -hmm. They didn't interview a single student until April. And by that time, every single student who was identified posted on their social media, my page has been hacked. Word for word, they all had the same thing. The same thing on their page. Okay, so they're trying to set it up to where, oh, no, they didn't do it. it. Their page was hacked, and so they can't be held responsible. Therefore, they're deeming it inconclusive. But let's be clear. Before, before I go to Sam, let's be mm -hmm. clear. The issue is not whether or not these incidents happen. They found that these incidents absolutely happened. What they're saying is they can't find anybody who's responsible for what was inflicted on you. Samuel? Oh, I'm sorry. Can I chime in on one thing, though? Because this is yeah, important. Yeah, of course. The of language course. of the district is very specific. It said that they could not identify a district staff or student. 
one person who referred to me as the black NB disenrolled two weeks after the story went viral. That's why they say they cannot identify a district student because that student disenrolled. It's it's words like that that are, you know are, are crafty, what makes you think, oh well, it must have been an anonymous page or something. No, they allowed that student to disenroll without any discipline, any consequences. So now they're at the next district, causing more harm. Are they named in your lawsuit? The particular student? Mm-hmm. No, no minors are named. Their parents? Yes. Good girl. Uh, Samuel, what did you want to say? Were you going to say something? So I was going to say, I was going to ask you, I should say, um, uh, what would you, what would you like suggest? Like, what did you not what's like about the news coverage? Cause a lot of details, even, even though we read the news, we read the news coverage, we saw the articles, we didn't even know some of these details that you're, that you're, um, displaying. So, what would you say to the news coverage and how you would like to improve or your opinion on it? Um, I think the media, um, they like to have what's clickbaitable, right? I'm not going to give you the full scope of the harm that a person experienced. They're looking to see what can get clicks on, you know, what can be succinct. Um, I think the most harmful part of the news was the fake I, the false identification of the three um, persons that was put out by SAC PD. I think that was most harmful because, because they had people, a brother, right? They had a black dude in that picture where they said uh, the three suspects and they had a black dude prominently yes. displayed. And uh, I want to clear that, that up because that's a farce. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to put the school on lockdown because of the threat of those two adults who came on campus and in doing so, parents and, and community members who needed to pick up their kids had to go all the way around campus uh, to the back area to get in to pick up their students. When we saw the camera footage with SAC PD, it was a handful of students at the you know who came to the dance. And mind you, it was no backpacks at the dance at all. They went to my parking spot area, quote unquote, for an extended amount of time. And when they came back to the ticketed area, their backpacks were dumped. SAC, the detective Borge had me email my staff. And again, thank God for email. And within minutes, my staff identified every single student that was near my assigned parking spot for an extended time. However, when, the media, when it came to the media, they released the images of these three individuals acting as if they were minors and students. And no, that's not the case. They could not come into the front to pick up their kids because I had locked down the school. So they were rerouted all the way around to where the parking lot is for staff. And so I thought, how manipulative of the district equity liaison in Sac City to release that, that BS. And even for SAC PD to not clarify, that pissed me off. Excuse my language. No, you're fine. You're that fine. That pissed me off. Because again, they asked me, even after those pictures were released, you know, these are the students who we think it is. These are the students we want to interview. These are the students we can't identify where their backpacks are. My, 
Yeah. My staff okay. identified those students. And some of those students I've had had negative um, disciplinary situations with for anti-Blackness. So I wasn't surprised to identify those students. And there's a... <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm trying to wrap my head around it um, and I'm trying to be um, diplomatic here. I'm mm -hmm. trying to be diplomatic. I'm finding it very, very hard um, because I, I do know your superintendent. Um, I do know a few of the other folks um, in your district and I cannot believe amateur hour that I'm hearing here. Um, I cannot believe that they would subject you to this and expect you to just be quiet and take it. Um, the, the best thing they can do is hurry up and settle. The worst thing they can do is continue to let this drag out and to let more and more people find out about what they did to you. Um, because I just, I, I'm rarely at a loss for words, um, but, but, I'm I'm scratching my head because it seems like, and I don't want to put words in anybody's mouth, but it seems like what we're seeing here is an intentional cover up because somebody is protecting their children because they know the parent or the parent, you said they were in the district. Mm -hmm. um, this is what they do. Their children are never held accountable for their misbehavior. A lot of their disdain is turned on to black students as mm -hmm. if black students are the problem. Now, I'm really getting really sick of folks acting like they don't see what's going on. It's really boiling my blood to have adults come in here and wanna laugh it off, wanna act like people just you know, coming up with stories because we want to be sad and we want our bodies to be broken and our mental health to be affected because we don't have nothing better to do. Get your damn children. They expect us to get ours. If this was a black student like that, like they had over there at McClatchy, they'd have our picture all up. They say nothing to see here. It was a black girl. It was a joke. She didn't understand what was going on into that. And they did that in a week, two weeks, three days. I don't know, it wasn't long. But because it's one of your children, it's a full on cover, cover up. Because nobody wants their kids held accountable. Nobody wants their kids to be labeled a racist even though they are racist. This is ridiculous. I, I, I look, mm -mm. nope, nope. I'm gonna throw it to you, uh, Jada. I, I can't, I don't know. I, mm -mm. My question for you would be, what can we, BVBOE, BYLP, what can we do to support you? Because whatever you move with, I want to be there because this is crazy. So what can we do to support you through this? I think the biggest thing, honestly, is to not forget. I think, um, I think that's one of the most painful things in our community is because of all of the trauma you know, you stand up, you use your voice, and then the next story happens, and then boom, now you're on the next story, now you're on the next story, and then it, it, it's triggering. You know, I am one of many Black administrators in the district who have gone through this, if not worse. Um, through the litigation process, 
my my hope and intention is that the harm that black administrators and students have experienced in this district will be out and exposed. It has to be in order for some accountability and meaningful change to happen. And so I think the best support that that I can get is is this using like platforms to bring out the truth and also providing black students a safe space where they can tell their own truth. Because if they did, if students did this to me and I have a little bit of authority, you know the harm that these our black kids are experiencing. And so just keep inviting black students and black principals and teachers here so that you can really under unearth what's happening at Sac City. I am not exaggerating when I say more than 30 people, black teachers, black principals, have come in my inbox on my district email with documents after documents decades old of racist racism they've been experiencing, blatant disregard for human resources, et cetera. It is shocking. It is disgusting. Well, I mean, we'll take that opportunity right now. If any of them want to come on and talk to us, we absolutely welcome you in this space. Um, we are here to provide that safe space for students. Um, we're not going to go away. I know you thought you was going to shake me a little bit. Uh, <laughs> not at all. But... <laughs> You are you are not getting rid of me. I am in it for the long haul and I'm going to bring them with me. Um, two things. One, I want you all to know that Dr. Verscher is going to be our keynote speaker at our Black grad celebration. Um, we are going to surround her with so much love and, and so much support. Um, and we want you all who are listening that are going to rewatch this um, to go ahead to our website and grab your tickets for Celebration Weekend. You are going to be at the Melanin Soiree too as well, correct? So we're going to let our hair down and then we're going to hear some powerful words for her. So make sure you go and grab your tickets for that. Uh, number two, we know that this is not an isolated incident. This is not just happening in Sac City. It's happening at a lot of districts where when our Black administrators and teachers speak up, they are ostracized and they are made to not feel um, welcomed anymore or uh, not even welcome because that's the wrong word. Uh, they can't tolerate it anymore, so they end up leaving. And so we want to just lift up our administrators and our teachers because it's a hard job out there. And it gets harder when you got people like me storming your schools asking you what the hell is up with your school. Um, so we want to, I understand that. Um, but understand if you are an administrator and a teacher and you are black and you are inflicting this type of harm on our people, you can expect to see me and you won't be happy. Um, that goes for those who are non-black as well. We have to be very, very clear with what we will not put up with. And this is something we will not put up with. I, that's my word. Um, and then I know I'm supposed to say something else, y'all. Help me out. What else am I supposed to announce before? Because we are running out of time. And I want to thank you guys in the chat um, for even engaging with us. I know this was a very hard episode to watch um, because the trauma is palpable. You can see it. You can hear it. You can feel it. Um, but we have to be open to have these conversations out loud because we can no longer um, allow folks to suffer in silence. Um, when they suffer in silence, they start thinking about different things. And as she said, her children may not have had a parent um, if she couldn't get through this uh, on her own. And so we don't want that for you. 
We want to make sure that we are fully present and that we, you know, show up in the ways that you need us to show up. Um, it's not enough to just be talking because you're right. I told the um, the candidate for sheriff the other day, it's like Groundhog Day. Folks want you to tell, tell you to get over it. The problem is we keep having incident after incident after incident happen and they're very, very similar and nobody is being held accountable. So we're going to demand accountability at this point. Um, I'm going to demand that your superintendent, Jorge Aguilar, um, put on his big boy pants and come and talk to us here on BBVOE about his missteps in this case and others. Um, I'm going to demand that your uh, board president, Christina Pritchard, I believe that's her name, um, make herself available as well, um, because I'm trying to figure out now I, now, I understand they got problems managing money. That's why they're almost being taken over by the state. I understand that. But they also seem to have problem managing personnel. I don't know where the link, the missing link is. I don't know which one of your employees allowed their little demon children to go on campus and, and harass this beautiful woman right here. I don't know what the hell is going on in these school districts, but I'm going to say it one more time. You better pull it together. Pull it together because you think I'm bad. You need to meet her legal team because I love them. Let me tell you that energy. He said, this will not be the last time you see us. And I'm with it. I'm with all the smoke and I got all the cases to, to back up and, and to support whatever it is you got going forward, because this is not just an isolated incident. And the more we make that known, the better we will be. So we thank you all for tuning in today. Uh, we're definitely not your Negro, nigger, nigger, any of that. We ain't that. Um, and we want to make sure that you're in the building for Celebration Weekend. That's June 24th and 26th. Uh, the cast will be there. Melissa's flying up with her beautiful family. So we're all going to be in the house. Well, except for Samuel. Samuel don't come out and party like us. But, you know, he sends his love. <laughs> he sends his love. <laughs> Samuel. <laughs> Um, but you know, we'll, the majority of us will be there. Uh, and so we look forward to seeing you in person and we want the community to come out and show her love and support, bring her some flowers. You like flowers? What else you like? You like candy? What you like? Tell uh, them what you like, sis. I get my you health like candles? together. Candles. 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 Okay. Bath and Body Works got a sale. Um, I saw that. <laughs> uh, what else you like, sis? Hugs. Oh, she said hug, but it's COVID. Oh, says, I mean, fist bump. My uh, mom's not a hugger. I'm a hugger. I got you on that. My no, she, gonna, no, she gave me a hug. It's on camera, okay? I got my I'm hug. just saying. <laughs> Tell Jay to stop hating on me. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, we want the community to come out, show her some love, show some love for our 2022 graduates. If there are students at West Campus, we want you to come and join in the graduation because I'm sure Dr. V would love to see you. Um, and anybody else, you know, we're about that black excellence and we're about that life. Come get some if you want some. We're going to hit you with the wave. We'll see you next week right here on Facebook and YouTube. Next week, we talking Juneteenth and what it's really about. And we're not going to allow people to capitalize on it who don't know what the hell we're celebrating. So with that, hit you with the wave. See you next week. Bye. <laughs> Sam is like... <laughs>